Hey, welcome back, everybody. It's time once again for Closing the Wealth Gap. The one show, maybe the only show that shows you how to close the wealth gap in your own life with the man who's done it for many, our wealth coach himself, Tyrone French. Hey, Tyrone. Hey, welcome, welcome, welcome to another edition to Closing the Wealth Gap. I'm your host, Tyrone French. Uh, we got my producer, my, uh, my, my friend, my buddy, my confidant, Mr. Paul Roberts, on the other line. And uh, Paul, I tell you what, buddy, we got a great show going lined up for today. I don't know why you didn't have me dress up more today. You just have the most interesting people, but it's usually a casual conversation. Today, you tell me you got the guy. We got lucky enough to get an interview with Mr. David Morgan. And a lot of people probably have never heard of David Morgan, as far as on our show. But this David Morgan is considered the guru of silver. Uh, he has a lot of uh, YouTube videos. He's all over social media. Uh, we're just happy and thankful that he's on our platform, that we can spread this message. Because there's a lot of things getting ready to come down the pipeline that a lot of people are just not prepared for. And I have a lot of friends that, you know, they'll stockpile cash. I mean, large denominations of cash thinking that they're safe. Uh, which is actually, they're, they're, you know, they're doing the wrong thing. Why is everybody looking at me? That's what I do. You just put you put money aside. I stick it in the mattress. I stick it in the bank. I've got cash to take advantage of something when it when I need it. Again, and it feels like the right thing to do, but we're going to shed some light on this subject today. And also, um, David Morgan did an interview. It's on YouTube. I would highly recommend, you know, our audience to go over to YouTube, check it out. Uh, it was with uh, Daniela. Cambone. I'm going to spell that last name for you. C-A-M-B-O-N-E. It's a, uh, the Stansbury Research. And it got a lot of views. There's a lot of information on there, a lot of good content. Uh, There's a lot of technical stuff that he's talking about, but he breaks it down to whereas anybody can, can understand it. So uh, without further ado, I'm going to bring in Mr. David uh, Morgan. Mr. Morgan, are you there? I am here. Okay. Again, thank you for being on the show today. Uh, we know your time is valuable, sir. Uh, we're going to jump right into it. Uh, again, going back and looking at your expertise and the things that you do, you have this. You also have a, uh, a newsletter called the Morgan Report. Can you elaborate on that a little bit? Well, the Morgan Report is a financial newsletter done independently, and there's a lot of them out there. I was. Uh, tuned in on the newsletter industry as a very young guy looking for quote unquote the truth and actually one of the test pilots on an engine run that we were in the cab waiting for uh, clearance to get in the airplane <laughs> whipped out this newsletter started reading in those days it was all snail mail the internet didn't even exist and right. I thought wow this is the real information I want the real information so that's the basis of the newsletter industry and I always wanted to be part of it and I am and I have been for the last 23 years but Usually, it's a different look at what's going on geopolitically, monetarily, uh, and in many other arenas that you're just not going to get from not only the mainstream news, but a lot of the alternative media, which is very valuable, but a lot of it isn't. So, uh, And there's always these favorites, but that's it. And the idea behind it is to make money in the resource sector. Yes. So it's very specialized. It's not a general stock picking letter. It's more geared toward precious metals and the battery metals, the copper, 
cobalt, you name it, any natural resource, we're the first in rare earth elements. So I think I said enough, but it's a basically a financial newsletter with a different slant on world events with opportunities in resource stocks primarily. So if they're interested in getting their hands on this resource, how do they how do they find this newsletter? Well, there's two versions. There's one that's uh, on the website, themorganreport.com. You just sign up for the free one. Okay. which mostly is these type of interviews I put out for the public for free. I do occasionally write an article for the public for free. And then there's a premium service, which is the bread and butter of my business, which is, again, a, a more, much more in-depth look at the global economy, geopolitics. Uh, an article I wrote in uh, the editorial that I wrote in April was, uh, named All Wars or Bankers Wars. And I explained that there's a lot more behind the scenes. And the only way to be objective about any war is to follow the money. Right. You see, the money is funneled by a banking consortium and they don't care who wins. You got a much better perspective on what's really going on than if you right. take a side. If people really understood that the, the, the capital behind banks and the, the funders, they're going to win either way, um, people would be more leery or understanding as far as you know if you're playing both sides uh you can't lose right but, but the average person they don't understand capitalism they don't understand economics they, they don't they don't get it so when i'm telling my audience is that it's a resource to whereas it'll paint a, a really good picture as far as what's really going on in the world with these wars and everything so um i highly recommend it uh and again just to let people know that you know uh, david morgan he, he's a real deal now, David, again, I want to bring up something that you said uh, on social media. You were talking about the difference between bailouts and bail-ins. Can you elaborate on that a little bit? Sure. And, of course, you can look it up. I mean, the search engine will give you some information as well. Yes. But right now, bailouts is what everyone in the North America is familiar with. And what that is is what happened in 2008. Basically, the bailout was that uh, monies were provided by government to take care of and paper over huge mistakes and misallocations of capital and bank failures. And so the money doesn't really come from government. It comes through government because the government has to borrow that money from the banking cartel yes. in order to fund other banks. So yes. it's sort of a closed loop, but people don't really think of it that way. Yes. And who's on the tag for it is the taxpayer, because ultimately all debt is supposed to be paid by the taxpaying public, but it can't be because the debt is so enormous. So because it can't be paid, the banks play this game and they borrow ahead thinking that someday maybe the economy will grow to the point where it can pay off this debt. But at this point, it's impossible. Things yes. that can't go on forever will not. And I want to digress, Tyrone, just for a moment about our opening statement, which I think I thank you for. But to quote Henry Ford, he said, if people really understood how the financial system works, there would be a revolt by tomorrow morning. Yes. So let that sink in. So back to the bail-in is the opposite, well, it's the opposite name, bail out, in, in and out, or opposites. Bail in is rather than you having as a taxpayer to pay off this debt that was borrowed against your will to pay off banks that were failing, they just take your money directly. 
So in a bail in, in fact, a bailout right now at law is illegal. Banks aren't allowed exactly. to bail out. Now, that doesn't mean they'll obey the law because they disobey it in many instances. But trying to not be funny, the bail-in means that your bank account is subject to the law, and the law says that you are an unsecured creditor of the bank, which means at law, your money is not your money. At law, your money is the bank's money. And if the bank decides they want to take that money to prevent them failing, they will give you something in return for that. They'll give you equity in the bank, which is basically like a stock certificate. The problem with that, Tyrone, as you well know, is that you usually get a return of about five cents on the dollar. Exactly. So in Cyprus, you got about five cents on the dollar. Uh, Lehman, I think, got seven cents on the dollar. So what you get is uh, a hose job, basically. And this is something that most people are unaware of. They're not even haven't heard of bail-ins. It's not really discussed out in the public domain very much. And people don't really understand that it is at law. It's available to the U.S., Canada, and the U.K., and probably other places. It took place in Cyprus already. Yes. And we know that um, we're facing that probably in our future. Will it happen? I can't guarantee it will. What I do know is it's possible. Well, you know, David, and that's why I brought you on, because based on what you just said, it's an eye opener and, a, and an aha moment to a lot of my listeners, because they assume that when they put their money in the bank, uh, it's their money. And the bank is acting as a fiduciary to whereas at any time, at any given time, they can walk into that branch or go to that ATM machine and pull that money out without a, without any without any problems. And it's just not true. It's not true. Really, if you look at it from a top-level view, there's two types of money. There's a debt-based monetary system, which we have now, and there's debt-free money. Debt-free money has no counterparty risk, which means gold and silver. It's value in and of itself, and it doesn't have any counterpart. Exactly. Whereas if you look at the debt-based monetary system we have now, even if you have the most sacrosanct investment that we're taught to believe, like a U.S. Treasury bill, note, or bond. It's the full faith and credit of the United States. Yeah, but all that really means is it can put more of it. Absolutely. So you might put a $10,000 investment into a U.S. bond. It's so safe, and you'll get your 10000 back. But the 10000 might only buy you what 5000 did, you know, two years earlier. It, and that's and the track we're on. Because of inflation, because of monetary devaluation, and again, people, we 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 really need to get to the get to the bone, bare the bare knuckles as far as what money, the difference between money, or the difference between money and currency. And you know, a lot of people think that they have money when they actually have currency or fiat currency uh, that's not backed by anything. Exactly. I mean, as I said, you've either got money or you've got debt. And debt isn't money. Now, the system is a debt-based system. So you're paying off debt with debt. Exactly. So when you go to the bank and you take out $100 from the ATM machine, that's somebody else's obligation to pay back something of value. But was that value the same as it was when that debt was created? And the answer is no, it's not. No, it's not. And, you know, people are struggling financially. Uh, you know, prices are going up, but wages are stagnant. 
And a lot of people, they're at their wits end, David. They just, they don't know what to do now. They don't know whether to, you know, one day they look and everybody's telling them to, to invest in cryptocurrency. And so they invest in cryptocurrency when it's high. And then all of a sudden the price drop and they lose money. Uh, they're told to invest in the stock market. And all of a sudden, well, one day they look and they lose, you know, they can lose 10, 20, 30, 40, 50%, 50% of their value. Uh, they're being told to, okay, we'll buy real estate. And so now it's getting to the point where the average person, um, they can't afford to play that game. But inflation uh, is built into the system. It's, inflation is. It's going to happen. And if you don't understand how to, how to counter that, you're going to fall further and further and further behind. Exactly. Well, I'll offer a few ideas. One is, you know, the basis of the, a system that works is based on savings and production. So when you save in real money, it can't be, you know, um, obscured by, you know, somebody offering something that's created or nothing. In other words, work, effort, labor went into the creation of a gold coin or a silver coin. When you, and that savings goes into the treasury, then you can borrow what's saved and produce more. And those economies do very well. But when it's hijacked, like it has been for the last, let's say, since the founding of the Fed, then you have a system that they could create something for nothing. And we all know, we teach our kids at a very early age right. that you can't get something for nothing. Yet the whole system is based on that. People create money out of thin air creating out of nothing, and they are able to spend it, and they are able to get something for it. So it works for a while. So the lie will work. Sometimes when you lie, you get away with it. You might get away with it for six weeks, six months, six years, but eventually the truth comes out. Yes. And we're at that moment of truth now. You cannot print yourself wealthy. You cannot have a system that just prints to infinity and expect things to come out good on the other end. Exactly. So... Can you elaborate on, you know, I brought it up a few minutes or a few seconds ago about uh, money, the difference between currency and money. And, you know, you are known as the silver guru. Mm -hmm. What is it about silver that you like that's that, you know, to whereas, you know, uh, you know, uh, that it's, it's one of the, it's, it's one of those, it's one of those things that, it's so undervalued right now that a lot of people don't understand the opportunity that's there right now. And the people, the so-called experts that, that should know better, but they're tied to these corporate interests. They're making all this money and they're trying to turn people away for something that could really add financial security and stability in their life. So can you elaborate a little bit on silver and where silver is right now, uh, where you think silver is going to go? And most importantly, how people can tap into this resource. Well, that was a long request, <laughs> <laughs> but I will certainly do my best. Thank you. But first of all, I'm going to start off a little bit philosophically and say, you know, how my how I work. I mean, not in a real deep sense, but I've always been for the underdog. So, you know, some of my favorite movies would be like Secretariat, that little horse that actually beat out all these yes. more powerful horses. Or Rudy, the movie about the football player, and the guy was not the biggest, the strongest, or the baddest, but he had more heart than anybody else. Yes. So I've always been sort of for the underdogs, just the way I am. And silver is the underdog metal. Because really, the best 
opportunities and the best societies that we are aware of, because I'm not sure that even history is given to us accurately. But to the best I can determine when we were on a silver standard or a bimetallic standard, meaning silver and gold, we had the best prosperity and it was the most even or fair to every participant, which means everybody on the planet. So silver is the money or the poor man's gold. It's the money that has been used throughout millennia as the people's money. So there's been more commerce done with the trading of silver coins than gold ever thought of having. People have understood up till you know the 1900s or so, and even beyond that, that silver was money. And yes. In fact, the word silver and money is identical in the Romance languages. So like, for example, argent means money in French. So if you told somebody that silver isn't money, which is often said in the modern era, they don't know what you're talking about. You'd be saying argent isn't argent. How can silver not be silver or how can silver not be money? Exactly. So the idea is that the bankers want control. And the way that bankers get control is by making a monometallic standard, which is what happened in the 1873 timeframe where we went from a bimetallic standard to a gold only standard. And the whole Wizard of Oz is a metaphor for the Eastern establishment going on the yellow brick road to the Emerald City, which is the greenback, to take care of <clears throat> the lion, the scarecrow, Dorothy, <clears throat> and basically take over the system. Right. where that people were enslaved, basically. Of course, this is uh, watching the movie. You can get that idea or not. By a banking establishment, the Great Wizard of Oz coming to the floor. Now, that metaphor showed what happened when silver was taken out of the monetary system. And it caused wow. very big problems for the people, for the underdog. Yes. But it enriched the bankers because they had most of the gold. Yes. So we've been on a de facto gold only standard up until 1933. And then, of course, Roosevelt said, well, gold could be used for settlement internationally, but as U.S. citizens, you can't trade with it. In fact, you can't even own it. You exactly. got to turn it in and get paid for it. it. Wasn't really confiscated. They didn't come and take it and not give you anything in return. They gave you the going rate at the time, which is $20 for yes. a gold piece. And then they changed the value and moved it to 35. So the other part of it is knowledge. And people are not knowledgeable about monetary history. And they don't realize, as we said earlier, there's two types of money. There's a debt-based system and there's debt-free money. Silver is the most debt-free money that exists. And the reason being is the I bankers really don't have much of it. The bankers have a lot of gold. And have been net gold buyers since 2011. Basically, since the financial crisis of 2008, banks have wised up and started hoarding more and more gold. But you'll never hear that on the mainstream. Exactly. And silver is something that the people could actually take the power. Because silver is not only needed as money, it's needed in industry. Yes. To a great deal. So it's like a stock buyback program, which Tyrone, you're very familiar with. But if I had a XYZ company, and I was buying back 50% of my shares every year, you know, I would be strengthening the stock price. And yes. That's basically a metaphor for silver because 50% of the silver supply 
that comes out of the ground each year is is bought up and used by industry. Yes, yes. Now and only the other 50% for silverware, silver jewelry, and money. I like that. I like that. You know, I, I also give an example where, let's say, back in 1965, you decided you wanted to buy a brand new car. And let's say that car was going to cost you about $2,500. Well, you could go into, walk into the dealership with $2,500 because at the time it was backed by silver um, and by that brand new car. Or you could have had uh, $2,500 one-ounce silver coins. Uh, fast forward today. You cannot walk into a dealership with $2,500 and expect to buy a brand new car. But if you had $2,500, one-ounce silver, co- silver coins, uh, you could possibly buy two cars. Why? Because it maintains its future purchasing power. And a lot of people don't understand that. They don't understand. It's like insurance. I'm, I'm a licensed insurance agent, state of California. Uh, what I do is I insure risk. So because I'm insuring that risk, when somebody passes away, that money goes to the family income tax free because it's not an investment. It's a it's a tool for risk management. Um, And again, we call it insurance. Um, But in my opinion, precious metals, it's my insurance. It's my insurance on my future purchasing power. And because I understand that and I, you know, I took the time to educate myself and become knowledgeable as far as. Um, you know, what, what my criteria are, what my, um, based on my family and my responsibilities, I just want to make sure that I, or ensure that I insured my future purchasing power. And one of the ways that I do it, and I don't put all of my resources in, in precious metals. I don't put it all in, 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 um, in, in silver, but there's a large percentage of it that's in there. And again, the reason I do it is to ensure the future purchasing power of my money. Yeah, I'll just add on to that. I think it's very, uh, you said it very well. But, you know, if you want to start off as a you know new person working or someone that's worked for a while and they're able to save a little bit, you want to save in money and you can invest the rest. So what's the right amount? I don't know. It varies, but 10% is usually a pretty good point. So if you're able to save well, let's just make up a low number, $100 a month. Then maybe 10 of that should go to silver and gold or silver to start with. And then the other 90% could be put into dead instruments if you want. I mean, you can play the game of real estate, stocks, bonds, ETFs, futures, options, and all this. Exactly. Derivative markets. If exactly. You but those days are ending, as you outlined at the beginning. And as they continue to crumble, in some areas, real estate will go up. And I understand all of that. And there'll be certain stocks that go up. I mean, look at the oil sector. But overall, there is a big shift between things we need and things we want. And the things we want are usually bought on credit. I want that big house, I'll take out a mortgage. I want that fancy car, I'll take out a car loan. Right. I want that education, I'll take out a student loan. I want that dress now, I'll put it on a credit card. So all of that. Funny money, I call it, is going to disintegrate over time. And it's becoming more and more rapid as we speak. And the real money will adjust to it. Now, I know gold and silver aren't performing as expected at this point in time because there's usually a lag. And the lag is, how do you perceive it? So let's just take a little trip down a thought experiment. If you weren't in the U.S.-based system, you were in the United Kingdom, you'd see gold at an all-time high. 
about that cat's meow? <laughs> or what about any other currency other than the U.S. dollar? You'd see gold performing quite well. So when you hear everyone say gold's not doing anything, it's a U.S.-centric view. doesn't mean it's invalid. It just means that the dollar is stronger relative to everybody else because as much as we're printing, these other countries are printing faster than us, and therefore the race to the bottom where the currency becomes worthless is accelerating in all these other countries, and eventually it'll take the dollar down with it. Exactly. You know, I also, that's a perfect segue as far as when we're talking about money and currency. Um, there was an executive order that was signed by the Biden administration uh, in March of this year. Uh, executive order, I'm going to just, just round it off, 14067. 14067. And it had to do with digital currency. And a lot of people are looking at as far as uh, the, the central bank. We talked about the central bank earlier and how it was established in 19, 1913. All of a sudden, you had this income tax system that came in same year. And all of a sudden, you know, you can't you couldn't pay your taxes. And with, with chickens and livestock and vegetables, you had to pay it in dollars. And so we, again, we had this system, uh, you know, and, the bank, and I love my bankers. Don't get me wrong. I mean, I depend on my bankers. I love my bankers. But over a period of time, we've created this Frankenstein and people don't know how to get out. And now everything is going digital. And again, you got these different uh, digital currencies and people are, you know, some people have made money and, you know, some people have lost money. But now we're getting to the point where they're starting to do studies based on, you know, um, you know, the, the dollar being digitized um, and they're looking at the central banks and doing uh, probability studies to figure out, you know, how how do we make this happen? So I think that that's the next leap. Uh, and and David, while I have you here and I know I'm asking a lot of questions, I'm, I'm, I'm you know, um, I, but, you know, your your resource, the value, the knowledge that you have, uh, I, I want to tap into it because I want people to hear uh, straight from the source based on, um, you know, the knowledge and the experience that you've, that you've gained, the, 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 the insight that you have based on some of the questions that people just don't know. They don't know. If you don't know the right question to ask, um, a lot of times you, you, you're not going to know what the answer is. You may, you may have a problem. You may have a situation that you're dealing with, but you don't know the questions to ask to get yourself out of it. And you're here today as this resource to my audience, to my listening audience, closing the wealth gap, uh, to whereas uh, what you bring to the table, the knowledge that you bring to the table, to me, is just invaluable. So can you elaborate on this executive order, one uh, 14067, and just give a taste to my audience just based on what, what this means to them uh, uh, in the future, just based on uh, digital currency? Sure. Well, let me say a couple of things first. One, Tyrone, thank you for having me on your platform. Secondly, what I'm going to say about Executive Order 14067 will be kind of a top view. But if you really want to get into it, you can go to my website, themorganreport.com, go to the blog tab, pull down the blog tab, hit blog, and then there's a search engine on the right side. And what you want to look for is crypto conspiracy number 24. Okay. And I go deeply into 14067. It was issued on March 9th, 2022, and there were a few sections. It was titled Ensuring Responsible Development of Digital Assets 
Yes. So that right Which there the title tells you that the <laughs> U.S. government is going to be developed or is developing a digital asset. It goes it talks about how much the digital assets have increased from 2016 from roughly 14 billion to over three trillion now. And it also says that some central banks are using CBDCs and they're referring to China. China already has a digital yuan. It's based on a social credit score and it's working just fine. If you consider complete control from the top down working fine. Exactly. Uh, the objectives is the principal policy objective of the United States are as follows. Protect consumers, investors, and businesses in the United States. Well, that sounds good, but really you have to flip it because almost anything from the mainstream news is if you take the 180-degree view, you have a more accurate uh, take. And that comes from you know, not only years of experience, just watching these Congress critters and everyone else and what they say versus what they do. So what that's really saying is, we want to protect the banks against the consumers, investors, and businesses in the United States. In other words, we want to make sure. I want to interject here that the reason that's such a hard push to a central bank digital currency is the bankers don't want to see the dollar go to ultimate zero. Exactly. And I don't think it will. But I don't think so need, But they see it's headed there and it's getting there faster and faster every day. So they've got to finish this game by putting you into a new game before the dollar fails. And there could be some financial messiah that comes along and makes a transition that's really relatively pain-free, that gives a way out of the current system and promises, uh, you know, the holy grail to everyone. I wouldn't rule that out. This is this is what they want to project that they have a system that's better than ever, and you can interact directly with your bank. You don't have to worry about. Um, an intermediary, you just work with the Fed. And I go into that in the crypto conspiracy number 24. It's called Fed Now. And Fed Now is sort of a federally operated by the Federal Reserve PayPal, I'll say. So mm -hmm. in a PayPal system, you know immediately that you've been paid. You know, I pay you for a book that you wrote. I pay you by PayPal. It leaves my account, goes to yours instantly, and we're done. Whereas now with the SWIFT system, especially in large transactions where you wire money, I wire money to you and I wait because the bank's going to hold those funds overnight so they can loan it out and get interest on it. <laughs> and then it goes to the next bank and they hold on to it and load it overnight so they can get interest right. on it. And eventually you're going to get your wired again. So it'll be sold as a good thing. <clears throat> and in some ways it could be a good thing. But in, in the ultimate, it's giving the bankers complete control. So they talk about the technological advantage to promote responsible development and the use of digital assets and the coordination, of course, will be uh, the president for national security affairs and the assistant to the president for economic policy will coordinate through an mm. interagency process described in the national security memorandum. So you can see where I'm going with this. Yes. Much of bureaucratic mumbo jumbo that says it's all about us and it's not for you, but we're going to make you think that it's all about us. Right. Um, I don't know where else you want me to go. I mean, basically, when this system is implemented, or if it's implemented, the idea is that you will be taxed, traced uh, at every level of any purchase that you make. So you'll probably do away with income tax, um, which means that every time you buy something, it'll be taxed at point of sale. So there'll be no you know, new agency needed. 
every time you buy gas, clothes, food, uh, you know, utilities or whatever, it would be taxed at point of sale. It will certainly right. speed up the system and, you know, will be a boon to, um, to the banking establishment and the governments because they will basically have complete control of everything that you purchase. There'll be yes. no way out. Yes. But really, even the garage sale, you'll be required to not use cash. And the reason is that this system will, uh, remove cash from the system. So, you know, for the Bible believers out there, we're looking at a cashless society going to all digital B system. Where right. You're either participating in it or you, if you're not, then you've got to be basically on your own outside of the system, which means you got to be responsible for your own shelter, your own food, your own utilities, your own water, and that type of thing. And certainly that will happen. Yeah, I agree. People. I agree. And again, I could be off base. I mean, there is a possibility that there's some great reset that's actually uh, considered by most to be equitable, fair, and a solution. I don't see it personally at this point, but I can't rule out all possibilities. Again, looking from the underdog position, you know, things happen in the underdog world with, again, Secretariat as that little horse that couldn't beat anybody that won the Kentucky Derby um, coming out of nowhere, you know, right. surprise. So I won't eliminate the possibility of surprise, but the trends that I see are very clear and anyone can verify that. Right. And the trend right now is the new system is to take care of the old system being inoperable Right, very soon, and they just want to convince everybody they've got something better. Right, whether or not it is or not, I would say, from right. my perspective today, it's not. Well, I tell you, uh, you know, you asked where I was, where I was going with this, and how, but what I wanted to do was let my audience know that there's a a reliable resource they can go to that they can get the real deal, and I think the Morgan Report, MorganReport.com, uh, is is a resource that they, that my listeners can go to and get the information, get the knowledge, and they know that it's, that it's trust is something that they can believe in. And how do they navigate your website to find that information regarding the executive order 14067? The best thing to do is, first of all, get on our mailing list, our free list. You don't have to be a premium or paid subscriber. Okay. Just go to the dogreport.com, give me a first name and email address, validate it, club, double opt-in, and you're in. Okay. Every time I do an interview, you will get an email telling you, you know, here it is. Take, watch it or don't. Your choice. The um, one with the executive order 14067 is elaborated in Crypto Conspiracy Number 24. Okay. If you watch that, I give an email that you can uh, use to get um, the, the PDF file, which is okay. around 30 pages. It goes into depth. You can print it out or not. Read it on your screen. Uh, very important knowledge about where the system is going and what this 14067, 2022, and other uh, mandates and points of uh, law, I'll call it, okay. uh, are pushing the public. And many people don't know or are unaware and don't realize exactly. they're being exactly. sucked into what I'll call the beast system. Exactly. Well, I'll tell you what, David, um, thank you for taking the time out of your busy schedule to be a part of Closing the Wealth Gap, to share your knowledge, your information. And I'm going to drive people to your website because, again, you're just, you know, the resource that you have. I, um, I go to your website. I pull information off when, it, you know, because I don't, this is, 
it's a difference between having information out there that you can rely on versus having information on there that's sketchy. And I rely on your information, uh, especially when it comes to the precious metals. And I, and I, again, I appreciate you for being here. And, um, you know, Mr. Paul Roberts, are you still there? I am. I am. I wait a minute. I'm still writing stuff down here. Okay. Getting all the sites and everything here. I, I one one quick question before you wrap up here. Why are we so illiterate about precious metals? We all know that gold and silver are precious, but I don't know anybody out there other than sophisticated people like yourself and Tyrone that really understand how to invest in it, how to own it, how to how to how the market works, anything. Well, Paul, it's just a narrative. It's a narrative that people have been fed into and that they believe and they repeat it over and over again, and they discount it and discard it. But again, what, what I want to do on this show is just we want to change that narrative. We want to give people different alternatives uh, to uh, things that, that, that work, things that work. And it's not sexy. And that's the thing. Everybody want, they want right now. They want the large returns and everything. When people really, you know, people that wealthy people understand that, um, the compound interest things compound over time and you know a lot of times i'm slow and slow and steady wins the race well you've been anything but slow and steady i've been writing as fast as i could here today it's like a fire hose coming at me and i hope we'll have him back and hear more because i think it's a market people are fascinated with but they know nothing about it and therefore they avoid it we're going to get a lot of feedback on this show. And again, uh, hopefully uh, we'll bring David back on to do a follow up. But again, people are going to go to his website. They're going to go to they're going to pull that report and they're going to have a lot of questions. So we're going to be here as a conduit to ask those questions and to drive people to the Morgan Report. And I want people to go to closingthewealthgap.net, closingthewealthgap.net. Uh, the podcast is there. All of our podcasts are there. But I want you to click on that that follow sign. You know, if you want to support this podcast, you want to keep it going, you know, just hit follow. Uh, also, there's a uh, there's a there's a there's a, a sign on there. If you want to contribute to this website, uh, we'd be more than happy to receive that. But we're going to keep this train rolling because, again, we're going to keep on bringing guests on like Mr. David Morgan um, that are experts in their field, that they truly uh, they're for the people, they're for the underdog. And they want you to have this information because, again, uh, we got to close this wealth gap because the alternative is, you know, the whole system falls apart and we don't want that. And when I talk about the system, I'm talking about your personal economy. You know, forget about the the macro uh, macro economy uh, and people looking at the big picture and all these things. No, you need to focus on your economy. That's the most important economy uh, that you're ever going to deal with. And again, Paul, um, Thank you for producing this show. Uh, David, you know, thank you for being here again. And we're just going to keep this train rolling. We're going to keep it going. Okay. We're going to keep exploring these stories and more right here on Closing the Wealth Gap. That's our show for this week. Closing the Wealth Gap. The one show, the only show that shows you how to take control of your financial future. Right here in North County's only community radio station, OC Talk Radio. 